Welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please press subscribe and leave a rating and review if you would. I really would appreciate it. On this episode of the show, I have Brian Zatulove. He's the founder of Emotive.io, an AI-powered B2B SaaS platform, and we get into all kinds of stuff. We talked about artificial intelligence and the robots taking over the earth and things like that for the majority of the show, actually. Uh, I had a really fun conversation. So without any further ado, please welcome... Brian Zatulov. Welcome to the Nick Ingersoll Show. What it do? Thanks for being on the show, dude. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. We were just talking about all kinds of weird tech stuff. Yes, and I have some questions about text messaging. Yes. I feel like you're the guy to ask. Let's, let's do it. Let's do do that. So how long is it going to be before robots just like completely take over all communications with human beings? Yeah. So I think what we'll see is a hybrid approach. Um, so bots and humans will kind of jointly control the conversation for a while. Um we're still very far away from having a fully automated <laughs> human conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Pull that microphone just a little bit closer to your mouth. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, like, if you if you listen to the conjecture, right, or, like, you know, the hype, you have, you know, your Andrew Yangs of the world being like, everybody's job's going to be automated in, in so soon, or, like, you know, truck drivers are going away. And I feel like maybe, but also that's going to be, like, 50 to 100 years from now before it's completely, we're just living in, like, this crazy tech utopian society of some kind. Yeah, I mean, think about it also. Like, do you really want all of your customers talking to a bot? Or right. do, you want, <laughs> do you want that human kind of tone obviously eluding the brand there? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know, I guess if you had the option, it's like, hey, you have an option to pick out a couple of friends. And then... <laughs> And you got Cyborg, you know, B27A bot over here. Right. And then you got like Brian over there. Yeah. You're like, I'll probably have a more meaningful conversation with Brian because it's a human being. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's really about building that human relationship. Um, AI and automation can obviously help scale that process, but a human is pretty necessary at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, yeah. have you seen that, uh, that Boston Dynamics robot that's just like doing... Back that the one that's shit? flipping on LinkedIn I yeah. see, all the time. Yeah. What's going that's, on, dude? I thought that was photoshopped or I did not believe that was real. I didn't I thought I was being tricked. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh no, that's actually what, just like, what's the use case of that thing? Like what uh murdering people? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> dude, <laughs> do not let percent. that out, out of the building. You yeah. know, I robot too. <laughs> For sure not. I mean coming to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine, dude? Holy shit. I mean, it's not gonna be that long. So like so one of the major next ext- major negative externalities of war is that human life comes at a cost, right? And so every time you send your cousin or your friend or whoever, and you know, I've had a lot of family that's in the military, it's it's a very scary proposition. And now you have things like drones and dude, I think it's a very short amount of time before you have these crazy back flipping robots with like lasers out of their head just fucking yeah. <laughs> just mowing down yeah. everything. I think the path. next step is self-driving cars. Yeah. You know, that that is the equivalent. You know, <laughs> probably equally as dangerous too. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Depends how you look at it. What's that old uh you and I might be a little bit too young for this, yeah. actually. I'm no. definitely too young. Yeah. But. Yeah. Hey bro, relax. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking dare you? Oh, no, it's it's like some shit from the 80s. It's like a talking car. Um, you know what I'm talking about? No. You've seen this? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Everyone who's older than me <laughs> is just like, what are you doing? Yeah. How Hopefully they're you? not listening to this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Right Kip. 
yeah. the car was kip maybe kip. Fuck, i don't know yeah who knows i'm yeah for sure too young to, to remember <laughs> 1980s movies except for the gremlins and ghostbusters oh wow yeah ghostbusters was legit i feel like uh as technology progresses and you have ai and robots doing shit like that yeah. you're gonna also have the ability to trick people way easier you're saying the ai tricking the human yeah yeah that's where it gets really dangerous right is when the, the AI is outsmarting human intelligence, you know? we That's that's really what they're building to prevent against right now. It's, Interesting. Yeah. How do you build to, how do you sort of front load the barriers? That is that is out of my gap Oh, it's out of mine yeah. too, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it comes down to having humans still monitoring the intelligence at that point, you know? Because it, it will get more intelligent than a human if you let it off the hook. Right. Um, yeah. That's, Dude. Do you think we're going to ever let these things breed? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) You imagine? I don't know how that would work. You know? Yeah. Robot porn. Yeah. Robots breeding out there, bro. Oh, man. Just making a little bit of fucking tiny, crazy, murderous robots (laughs) in your neighborhood. Looking forward to it. Dude, terrifying. I mean, are you going to allow robots to have leases and shit? Oh, man. No. Or is it... So So you have the the one sort of concept where you have all these, you know, AI-empowered robots that are... For more, for lack of a better term, like superhuman, highly, you know, computing, insane pieces of technology. But on the other hand, humans are also merging with technology. So, like, it... I just wonder at what stage, like, you're going to have yeah. these sort of cybernetic organisms that are humans with these robots running around together. Yeah. No, I, I read a really good book. Uh, it's called The Inevitable, actually. And it kind of goes through the future stages of what this will look like. Hmm. Um, it always starts with some sort of robot assistance. And that robot slowly and slowly kind of mechanizes more and more processy until you kind of hit the next state of intelligence where... The cycle kind of repeats itself. Wow. Yeah, it's super, super interesting stuff. Is that, I highly recommend that book. Is that a fiction or nonfiction book? No, it's uh it's more of a futurist book. Okay. Yeah. I'm into it. I think it yeah, it hasn't happened yet, so it can't yeah. be it can't be nonfiction. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah we'll see. Do you uh, read a lot of books like that? Not really. Yeah. Um I think before I started the business, uh had a lot more time to read. Yep. Um <laughs> listen to a lot of cool podcasts like these. Um, but yeah, not a, not a ton of time for books. Audiobooks are good because you can kind of plug them in while you're in the car. I know you you don't drive a car. Yeah, you're a motor, you're on the motorcycle, right? True, but I got headphones. Oh, in. you do have headphones. Okay. Yeah. How safe is that? Uh, totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like how how uh, turned up is this this music? All the way up. All the way up. <laughs> so the you, way you up. cannot hear a siren or a horn. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can hear the horns and sirens, but um, it might be a little muffled, you know. Yeah. By the uh, as I lie dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a couple a uh, couple people on the team that drive bikes, and I get to hear all the. Uh, insane stories from them which is awesome slash frightening so yeah yeah if you're not an experienced motorcycle rider it gets yeah. extra sketchy how long have you been riding my whole life oh really yeah since seven. Oh wow yeah how do you uh it's like moped type situation dirt bike dirt bike okay. yeah so I, I mean i grew up like way out in the country yeah. and so you know we had like these these honda i don't even remember what model is like a cb70 i think it was a 70 or 80 cc maybe mm. 80 cc motorcycle and uh yeah just like in first grade riding that thing around and, wow you know crashing it and shit and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my dad was always a harley rider yeah so we had a 1976 sportster 1200 xlch something like that wow um so that was the first like street bike i ever rode um 
but then like his dad rode motorcycles my mom's dad sold motorcycles mm. in europe and then my brother rides my uncle rides it's just like this whole <laughs> yeah. family of bikers yeah. wow so you were just pretty much bred to bike at that i point. think so yeah what's the uh i'm curious the difference riding that thing in la versus kind of middle of nowhere dude it is <laughs> so different yeah my brother was here last year and uh he rented a motorcycle and uh, I can't remember it's writer's share or something like that. It's a really cool service. Oh, wow. um, basically just renting motorcycles from somebody else who owns one. And so we took those bikes and into the desert, which was sick, yeah. but and he, he had such a great time. Right. But the riding, cause he's out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska riding. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey bro, Welcome to LA. <laughs> Just follow me. Cut off by like three buses. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Dude, it was the first block we went and then we were on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Terrible place to oh, start man. off. <laughs> That's where the guy that was written the bike was at. And he gets to this stoplight, bro. And he's, he's popping a U-turn and then this like Ferrari just decides to say, uh. fuck it. And... <laughs> so fast towards him almost oh clips him like, i don't know how you just made that noise with your mouth by the way. <laughs> that's a skill in it that's another podcast episode right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah no i mean that's it's crazy i think you need to be you definitely need to be raised around bikes in order to really embrace that I think. yeah dude yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just in la it's just too dangerous yeah. for, for people though. luckily there's not a lot of rain here I'm right. sure that adds another whole layer to things. Dude, I thought it would be a good idea to ride in the rain to Calabasas Ugh. from like central from Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, because it was, it was starting to rain, but I'm like, you know what? I like the challenge. <laughs> so I'm going to do this thing. And so I start going down the 101, bro, getting hit with rain. And I was like, oh, I'm going to die out here yeah. <laughs> so I pulled off and waited for a little while oh but. that's that was smart yeah yeah it's right there yeah when you start hydroplaning on a motorcycle it's a little that's different. uh it's another level right yeah there. that's yeah. right wow <laughs> awesome you riding motorcycle what kind of dangerous shit do you do what's the most dangerous, dangerous shit yeah oh man that's there's not a ton there yeah um i, I mean the fact <laughs> that I'm, I'm like really thinking right now is probably not <laughs> not good um or is good yeah or it's, or it's good <laughs> or no, is good starting a company is extremely dangerous <laughs> that is true yeah that is dangerous um different type of dangerous i i don't know I'm, i haven't really ever been into like thrill seeking kind of i'm not i'm not a huge adrenaline junkie me neither you must be though i'm not though there's no way i swear to I'm god i'm sorry it's that's the weird thing like like i don't get you know people like why do you ride motorcycles does that give you adrenaline i'm like no you I become don't... desensitized over time don't you yeah i just yeah, yeah there's no adrenaline it's just right. kind of i don't know yeah it's just how you thing to do yeah. you probably save a ton of money for sure yeah mostly time do you, so you don't own a car at all no do you plan on owning a car do you think when Mm, no not really no. i mean at some point maybe but yeah, I don't know what, yeah. no yeah <laughs> maybe something just to get to the mountains right to go backpacking or hunting or something yeah yeah no that, that's insane yeah. yeah and so so starting the company is a dangerous thing it is i mean so like what how did you why did you like tell me why you decided to start this business yeah so this was um this is kind of a longer story but we my co-founder and isaac started our first company in college um, we were spending a lot of time in classes, just was kind of getting bored and, uh, wanted to do something better with our time. And that's, that's what kind of just drove us to, to starting that first business. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. It was, it was really just a product of not being totally fulfilled with what you're learning in the classroom and you Which know. is a common problem i feel like <laughs> right you're yeah. sitting in that upper division you know whatever class yeah. learning about iso 900 and you're like right. oh my god i can't 
<laughs> yeah, no, the thing about business school also is that it's really not reflective of actual business. You know, undergrad, MBA, you, you don't learn shit about what real the real world is like. You Isn't know? that the most bizarre shit, it, I can't believe how much I paid for that education. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the worst you know, investment it is, I've yeah. ever made in my life. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 I don't know how, you know, it's especially because, you know, you were building this business in college and, and that's the same thing that I was doing in college. Right. And, you know, it's like everybody else in, in class is looking at you like, what are you doing over there? I'm like, oh, you know, making a business. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're trying to like learn about business, but it literally has like, I don't know how much is applicable, but it's a very small percentage to what you're doing when you're starting one. From yeah, scratch. no, absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're going to join kind of the IB consulting route, yeah. um, a lot of what you're learning there is super applicable, like definitely worth your time. Um, but it's just a different ball game. Yeah. yeah you totally different ball game. If you want to go work at Glaxo Smith yeah. Klein or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Kleiner Perkins or one of those yes. big old things. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And so you started the first one. And so what you're doing now is you have this text message yeah. platform for businesses. Explain to me sort of, how that came into your head and then sort of what you're doing with it now. Yeah. So basically we work with a lot of e-commerce brands right now. Um, our goal is really to build just better relationships with brands and their customers at scale. Um, and we do that through, it's, it's pretty much half human, half AI slash automation. Um, Hence why we were talking about it yes, earlier folks in case we you were wondering. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, we're we're just trying to we're really another performance marketing t- like channel for these brands um, to cut through the noise. Obviously, email is becoming super saturated. Um, it's just harder and harder to acquire customers these days and kind of cut through the noise. And uh, messaging is really that next frontier. And I think the way we're doing it as well. Um, combining kind of that human touch with the automation element is super effective. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I've had the privilege to sort of see the platform grow as you guys are building it. It's actually a super interesting and powerful one, too. You know, you're, you're really solving sort of a, a gap in the marketplace. And I, I got to wonder, like, is the easiest target email as easy as Target, sort of, you know, Facebook, like, yeah. right, you have the Facebook reach and the Instagram reach yeah. plummeting through the floor and everybody's freaking out and I'm sure <laughs> they're looking for something, just, you know, brands are sort of grasping at this point to try and find yeah. new, new channels. Yeah, no, I think um, Facebook, Instagram, Google, kind of the primary acquisition channels, they'll continue to crush it. Um, where we become valuable in, in that sense is really helping them. Um, gathering insights through conversations to help personalize those ads for your for your customers, because um, obviously you can become a lot more intimate through kind of a, a messaging conversation than you would with like kind of a one way blast. Like there's no input of information from the end customer, so we're able to learn a lot, get pretty intimate, almost like a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're really not kind of aiming to to go after kind of those primary acquisition channels. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it's um, like a compliment too, like a, yeah, an yeah. optimization of. We're more of a supplement. Um, it's going to be super interesting to see kind of how those channels emerge, though. You know, yeah. I mean, you guys are obviously spending probably a good amount of money on acquiring customers through 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 those guys. Um, yeah, I guess like how have you seen that transition? I don't know, man. I mean, in the market, it's weird because you know, in call it 2012, yeah. like you know, the the year I was graduating college, it was one of those yeah. things where like you know, SEO was super super easy. Still, like you could just rank a site on right. Google overnight. 
Yeah. It was like, I'll just stuff a bunch of keywords and we're good. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was doing that for a while and you know, you, you sort of see the email click rates that were super high and all those things. And then of course, Facebook, you used to have just this massive reach and right. nobody really had smartphones. I remember when Instagram first came out, uh, they only made it for iPhone mm. and I had a droid. It was my first smartphone. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted Instagram so bad. I had to wait like eight months right. um, before they developed the app. So, you know, it's it, it's it has changed so much. And I feel like, moreover, people, you know, we sort of are cybernetic organisms right now mm. because you're constantly and consistently attached to this cell phone who, whoever's listening to this, yeah. most likely has in their pocket or in their hand right now. Mm. And it's almost like this... You know, this uh, symbiotic parasite, yeah. this technological parasite that's constantly con connected to you, uh, which is sort of where your platform lives. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of how I've seen it change. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the cost to acquire a customer is just going to keep skyrocketing yeah. across every channel. Um, the best brands are going to be the ones that figure out new ways to acquire those customers and kind of avoid the competition on yeah. that front. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I wonder yeah. if there's not a cap in terms of people's attention to technology too. Hmm. Like, like, you know, text message is one thing that everybody's always going to have yeah. and, and, you know, obviously an email, but I wonder like, you know, are people going to start going back into the yeah. real world instead? I think, I think a pretty big trend we've seen, um, Apple kind of notifying you of your screen time yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of checks and balances. Um, the social platforms, I think, will be next on that front. You know, like Facebook, they're considering whether they want to include likes on photos. Um, I think we're definitely going, because legislation is now starting to consider getting involved. So Ooh. the platforms are going to need to decide if they're going to step back or if they're going to let uh, the U.S. kind of dictate that. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's scary if you're one of those businesses and then you have, you know, the yeah. House Oversight Committee on old dudes and chicks just making <laughs> laws about shit they don't know looking at you. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's fuck true. all that. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Facebook and Instagram getting rid of the likes and, and all of that? Yeah. I, um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's going to hurt their engagement. I think yeah. there's no question. That's, I think that's a pretty fundamental part of those platforms. Also, on the other hand, they've built such a big audience up to this point that, they're they're rarely competing like tiktok snapchat are really kind of the only other platforms they're kind of different demographics yeah um but they don't have as much to be afraid of now so they can afford to make those kind of more bold decisions right we'll see I, I, what are your thoughts i don't know man i it, it, at the very first i was like yeah no way <laughs> getting rid of likes yeah come on not, man not gonna happen not gonna happen or, or that it would be a bad idea or you wouldn't be able to you know as a brand or a celebrity or whoever you are really wouldn't be able to measure sort of the content now i guess uh on the back end you would still be able to see your level of engagement so it would really be more right. of a front end user thing oh, whereas yeah. your back end user experience if you're a brand or a business or whatever right. you could still see everything. i haven't thought about that yeah right? they'll probably still display it to the individual that's what they're planning on doing yeah oh, really yeah okay. and so like from from that perspective i i guess it's like okay but then it's like okay what are you doing on instagram mm. then you're just scrolling mm. yeah no i don't know you're commenting more i don't know yeah because normally you're scrolling and then you pop up like pop up 
right? Yeah. Double tap. So I, I've actually cut Instagram two years ago. So I've been kind of Whoa, removed. I know. You are a rebel. <laughs> I know. You don't do dangerous stuff and you're not even on Instagram. Cut it. Good cut, on you, bro. Cut it. Gone. Like an addiction. Yeah, no, I mean, just I just didn't, I don't know. Didn't, yeah. didn't feel the need for it. Are you on TikTok though? No. Okay. My, my sister is though. How old is your sister? Um, she is in college. First year of college. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty young. There's your that, that, right uh, there. that's a, that's a threat. That platform They're they're going to be they're next. Oh yeah. Yeah. They have the, the young Gen Z attention, which is really all that matters. Also, what's interesting about that age group is they don't use messaging as the, like they're primarily on Snapchat yeah. for communication. Um, they don't text. They rarely call. It's it's super interesting. Yeah, Snapchat Snapchat actually is kind of the dark horse on on that demographic. I you think. know what's weird though is like when I was in college is when Snapchat first came out. Yeah, and everyone was saying the same shit, which was true actually. Like mm-hmm. I communicated in Snapchat constantly, almost exclusively to my friends right. because you know you can just do dumb shit, right? Like put a unicorn <laughs> head on you and then send them a little voice, like a video message right. or or whatever it is, you know, or something that you maybe just want to take a photo of, mm-hmm. you know, a bum taking a shit, and you don't want to have that video yeah. on your phone, <laughs> you know? So like, boom and send it. Yeah. But then over time, it just sort of became this thing where it's like, yeah, it's not as useful of a tool as I thought it used to be or yeah. whatever. It was yeah but i even noticed myself over the last two years just not using it to communicate mm. as much yeah yeah we'll see tiktok's sick though i'm on, I'm on are the, you on tiktok i'm on the talk you're on the talk whoever's out there <laughs> follow me on the talk yeah you got ingersoll and ik there we go. i was waiting for that <laughs> <laughs> what are what are uh, what are some of those videos looking like well actually so i've been um sort of like analyzing tiktok for uh-huh. for probably a couple of months now just like scrolling through the content sort of seeing what's going on there you know definitely trends younger but yeah. there's certainly like gen z and millennials both on there and then you have like old people too just doing awkward shit which is funny yeah. um but there's a couple interesting things like there's all these weird sort of tiktok only memes that sprout up mm. so you know it's like this certain song that pops up and then you're pointing up at all these different words like Reasons why I'm single. Right. I'm not attractive. You have It's kind of up. like that that vi- uh the Vine vibe. It is Vine. Yeah. It it literally functions almost exactly like Vine, right. except the videos can be a little bit longer and music's a bigger component. Right. And that's really it. I mean, you have one one crazy thing about TikTok is there's a lot of uh, musicians that can sort of use that as a ex- discovery platform. Like there's some songs, dude, that I heard at the bar that like are from TikTok. Yeah. It's the only reason they're popular. Yeah. And so that's kind of wild. Same thing with like uh, Old Town Road, hmm. TikTok is you're, to blame. You're joking. I swear. No way. It blew up on TikTok. Oh something insane. God. Yeah. It's the SoundCloud rapper part two. Basically, yeah. It's <laughs> it's so crazy. Wow. And then the other interesting thing that uh, is, is sort of a positive thing. So you think about um, Instagram and, and it's very sort of... I don't know. I, I guess the knock on Instagram is everyone's only posting the videos or pictures of their best selves. Hmm. Pretty people, you know, airbrushed and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then on TikTok, what I've noticed is a lot of people with like physical disabilities that have a million followers. Oh, wow. Like literal million followers. What do you mean by like? Like born without arms. Oh, wow. Like that's uh, that's pretty incredible, actually. Really crazy, dude. Like, um, I don't even know what what 
the syndromes are because i obviously not a doctor right <laughs> um but like you know with some some like uh skeletal and and head abnormalities or they mm-hmm. just you know look physically disabled um but meanwhile they're like dancing to old town road right and it's kind of entertaining to watch <laughs> and they love doing it and then they yeah. have like 1.2 million followers wow i'm like whoa that is like such the antithesis of instagram yeah, in no, so that, many ways that would not exist on any other social channel at all that's incredible yeah yeah that that's one really cool thing i've seen and then there's also a creepy thing i've seen let's hear it cops what do you mean all over the platform like in uniform in uniform bro sirens on the background (laughs) fucking doing the dance to whatever keep your job like dude that that is all over the internet (laughs) that is for everybody to see that's why that's why it's creepy (laughs) because i think so all the cops are in on it Maybe they're using it to catch, I don't know, criminals of some kind. I don't know what they're doing, but, or just trying to make themselves, you know, seem less scary or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know, dude. When I see a bunch of cops in full uniform on TikTok all the time, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Oh my God. But that's another thing where on Instagram, you know, I I just don't think that would have happened. No. No, not at all. Yeah. No, I think each different channel is going to kind of allow a different behavior to emerge. Yeah. Which is where these gaps are. These gaps exist, frankly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What uh, What other gaps are you seeing out there? I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge kind of social media guy. Clearly, you don't have yeah. Instagram for No, I know. You're, you're asking the wrong guy <laughs> on the wrong, wrong show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I just think um, kind of the next wave is building a more intimate relationship. And I think whatever, I mean, it's just speaking from a brand's perspective, whatever they can do to just cut through the noise yeah, um, and speak on a more one-on-one basis. That's really kind of where things are going on a, on a B2C level, at least. Yeah. On a B2C level. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you think Snapchat is going to allow like, like open API? Yeah. Semi automated AI. Um, they should open their API. I think they, they have a pretty big opportunity to become kind of a business platform as well. For sure. I don't know if you guys are dabbling with Snapchat ads at all, but... Um, I have before, okay. yeah. Just the geo-targeted ones with the filters, right. but yeah, nothing in the... Yeah, in the I've, seen, I've seen some brands on our platform be pretty successful there. Um, there's so much that can be unlocked, though. I mean, just having your own channel as a brand and having people subscribe there and kind of stay tuned on new releases, like and just give people kind of an insider's perspective on what's happening at the offices and just, you know, that, that, that new layer of kind of communication hasn't yeah. really been emerged. Well, yet. that was uh, Chubby's shorts. Do you know Chubby's? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So they like built their entire business on Snapchat okay. originally. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was just like completely orchestrated. Yeah. But like, you know, shenan- office shenanigans style shit. Right. Hilarious. They did a, incredible job right. just an incredible job yeah no brands killing it right now is me undies oh yeah i'm seeing them everywhere well, i got some of the deepest pockets in their underwear <laughs> yeah <laughs> also the most comfortable underwear of all i don't know if you ever worn those i'm not wearing me undies right now micro modal <laughs> yeah they're uh extremely comfortable but yeah they're on almost every podcast i listen to it's oh, crazy really? okay. billboards and yeah yeah that's awesome. I guess it's kind of easy to have something uh, that fun to market. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it definitely cuts kind of a lot of the attention barrier <laughs> yeah. out of there. You can just dance around your underwear and you've pretty much grabbed your attention. There's your ads. Right yeah, there. there we go. There's your content. Um, yeah, I guess just like moving to to food. What are what are some things you're seeing? Like what's, what's next in that space? Yeah, I think um, 
it's interesting because you see a lot of DTC brands in CPG starting to move towards retail because yeah. they, they sort of understand the you know acquisition costs that that inevitably go up and these sorts of you know struggles are having to reach more customers at a price that makes sense for lower price goods. Mm. Um, and alternatively, you see the inverse. So you also see traditional retail brands saying, oh man, how do we do amazon.com? Right. How do we do our own website? How do we build a website on Shopify? Like, what is, yeah. it, what is a conversion metric like? I think a really good case of that is Warby Parker opening these pop-up shops. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, that's the future right there, especially for that type of product where you physically kind of need to try it on. Um, the same kind of goes for food, where it's it's pretty difficult to get someone to order food products online for the first time. Oh, and yeah. there, there's tons of brands that are absolutely crushing it, but you have to be extremely different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where having a retail presence is super, super important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is interesting. Yeah. I wonder. Um, I wonder if like so so these AI robots of the future they're gonna be eating food. Um, what do you mean? I mean probably not food like we think of food. <laughs> I guess they just be eating batteries. They're just walking around munching lithium ions. Oh, are they gonna eat food? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, you know that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> just we're almost like uh, uh, like the DeLorean on Back to the Future. Okay, yeah, just filling that up with like garbage or something like that, <laughs> and just like converted it into energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's. We'll see. Hey, that I think I've just found the future solution to the climate crisis. Yeah. Yep. Bunch of marauding giant robots that eat trash for food. Yeah. Yep. You know, after Barnana, if you guys sell, <laughs> this is this is what's next. I think. <laughs> Dinosaur robots eating yeah. trash. Where'd this come from? What what kind of inspired this? Um. Well, I've been listening to podcasts for a super long time. Uh. Yeah. I guess. I guess the main culprit to blame is Joe Rogan Joe for Rogan. the entire thing. Yeah. Wow. So I started listening to his podcast in 2011. Yeah. It's like super duper long time ago. That is the early days of podcasts. Oh, very the earliest. Days, yeah. yeah. And my friend Josh actually turned me on to it. And he's like, do you know, have you ever heard of the Joe Rogan podcast? I'm mm. like, what's a podcast? <laughs> like, what is, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and I started listening to him. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. Mm. And then, um, you know, of course, listen to a ton of them since, you know, the Freakonomics and the, all of the NPR style podcasts and a yeah. bunch of comedy podcasts and things like that. But um, that's really what it was. You know, I just, I just really love the medium, um, you know, and now that I'm used to hearing myself talk, yeah. it's not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of podcast do you uh, normally listen to? Like, what's your, what's your lane? Yeah. When I'm not listening to the Nick Ingersoll show. <laughs> um, there we no, go. I think I, I spend a lot of time on SAS podcasts. Um, obviously like Saster, really good one, um, with Harry Stebbings, 20 minute VCs. Good. These are mostly software related. Yeah. Um, so not relevant to a lot of businesses, but, um, how we built this on NPR is pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those are those are kind of the main the main ones. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I feel like um you know one interesting thing about business is people hear about technology, they hear about code, yeah, and they get scared. Mm -hmm. Like even you know whether it's CPG or, or anywhere else, like a lot of people, oh, it just seems you know all this technology stuff, you yeah. know. And even people of our generation, like there's a big misconception that sort of the millennial generation, and and by the way, this will also apply to everyone who's in Gen Z not all of them are going to be that good at technology. Mm -hmm. Like there's just in every gender, like just, it's not that all of the young people, yeah, maybe they know you how to use Snapchat. Yeah. But that, you know, that doesn't mean they can build a Shopify site. Oh, absolutely. I think obviously exposure is 
going to hit the the younger crowd at a more consistent rate moving forward um as technology just penetrates everybody's life but that doesn't mean everyone's going to become technical i think we will start seeing more kind of computer science in uh the public school education system hopefully required yeah i mean that's pretty common in most other countries actually u.s is pretty far behind um I, I just know most of kind of the the Asian countries that is standard practice. Yeah, it wasn't um, my school, my high school at least. It was yeah. required. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that's really surprising actually, especially for rural Western Nebraska. <laughs> Shout out to Scott's Bluff. Yeah. For uh, yeah, yeah, seeing the future there. No, that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was actually today. I was at the doctor, and they're you know weighing you. And, you know, I'm weighing in at like 93 kilograms. And she's like, do you want to know what that is in pounds? I'm like, fuck no. No, I already know. <laughs> she's like, you know? Like, was this thing? Like, she's like, I have to do the conversion every time. I'm like, I learned the metric system in school because. Wow. Yeah. In elementary school, what all my teachers were telling me is, hey, just to let you know, by the time you're in high school, the metric system is all we're going to be using. That's why. It was a total lie. <laughs> but okay there but, we go but it was also great i was like nebraska interesting yeah yeah, yeah so we learned it all all the way through and and by the way it's just a better system to measure stuff it just is why because everything's based on 10 oh got it yeah I, not, i'd never put that together well like how many ounces are in a court i, I don't know exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean uh, yeah. it's just like how many no are in a teaspoon how many teaspoons are in a cup <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like, what the fuck? There's no standard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no standard. Um, when you're thinking about coding and, and all of that, like what languages are you, are you fucking with right now? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually not technical, which yeah. is super interesting. Um, but, but the team. Like, yeah. So we're, we're on Python, Django, um, which are pretty common languages yeah. um, for just what we're building. Yeah. I think also just like languages will develop a lot as well. As time progresses, Um, Go is Google's kind of internal language they built that's starting to become super popular. Um, We'll see other companies kind of develop their own set of languages as well, Mm. Um, which is, yeah, it's another ballgame. That's an interesting thought. So, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of scary, actually, right? Because traditionally you've had these open source languages, right? Right. Like your LAMP stacks and your whatevers. And then all of a sudden you're just going to have the Google language. Yeah. And then the Facebook language. Yeah. And then the Amazon language. Talk about defensibility right there. Cool. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> Maybe I do want the government to step in after all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because if they, yeah, I mean, there's just so much IP involved. Hmm. And obviously as a publicly traded company, you know, even even if it's sort of open source in theory, yeah. they still have sort They of, set the rules, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's, it's true. Whoa. I know. That's crazy, that's dude. Nuts. How about uh, you guys uh, messing with any Ruby on Rails? Uh, we, our, our old code base was in Ruby. Nice. Yeah. The problem is there's not a ton of Ruby on Rails engineers. Yeah. In, in the city, are you? Do you, are you familiar with? Or yeah, I'm familiar with okay. Ruby on Rails. You you had an AR company at one point. Didn't I you? did. Yeah. 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 Augmented reality company back in the Lamp stack only days. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, I still code HTML, and oh, CSS, do? and a little bit of Java. What are you using it for mainly? Mostly sites. Just for your site or just websites in general okay. yeah I built a bajillion of them oh really yeah actually the ar company was bred out of uh having the services company where i would design and develop websites for whatever business or person that wanted one and then my business partner in there would do all the seo so mm-hmm. we we're like this one two punch we're like oh we're gonna do this sem shop you know and make these sites and yeah. and get them ranked and all that kind of stuff nice so you so the ar company that was were you in college at that yeah that? okay and then barnana 
Oh, so at same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, shortly thereafter. How, how did that formulate? Well, it was, you know, I just like constant iteration, you know, and it wasn't even, you know, I had a, a sort of a supplement retail business before that too. And I, you know, I was just doing all kinds of stuff all throughout college. I always had some sort of full-time job because you know, my family has no money. There was nowhere for me to go. And so I wasn't making any cash. I wasn't gonna be able to pay tuition or rent or anything else. And, um, you know, so it was just like absolute mandated by the universe hustle mode. Right. Um, actually started out, uh, painting stuff. Mm. Yeah. Like this painting over there on the wall. And so I'd go to galleries and, and sell paintings and things, but I'll tell you what, that is tough business because <laughs> once you find out like what the market for paintings are it'll break your heart what is the market for paintings rich people hiding their cash yeah yeah oh man it's like an asset right so and and so unless you have a name right like banksy or whoever um then they'll just hold it and then it's just like you know it's just an asset it's just cash on a wall and then they can sell it at any given time in the future or whatever it is. Uh, it's like collecting wine or, you know, mm. any number of things that people also do. Right. Yeah, and they, it increases in value over time. Um, the rate of return on wine apparently is pretty high. Is it what really? I understand, yeah. Okay. I think, and my numbers are going to be completely off here, but someone was saying on average over the last 30 years, it had like a 6% annual return on like, <laughs> you know, vintage whatever wines. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's insane. I was like... <laughs> And I'm a wine, like white belt, big, or maybe a blue belt, but blue belt. yeah, okay. just totally not, <laughs> not close to white as wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So AR company in college, um, Barnana launched kind of at a similar time. Yeah. How did right that after. kind of play out? Um, you know, it just, it just played, you know, yeah. we just went out there and went to the market and, and did the thing. When did you graduate actually? So I'm a... A year ago. A year ago. I'm like 24 years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a baby. That's right. So you're yeah. about, uh, so you're about, what, six years younger than me. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> so we got, a, we got a fresh college graduate boom, out boom. here. You went to SC? Yeah, I did. Mm, how's that going recently? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> let's... Uh, let's not talk about that. No, I mean, it's insane. It's nuts. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't think a lot of people even know about it really i mean they kind of do about the usc like right. you know the fake water polo or water polo players and all that the, the funniest thing is that this has probably happened on such a larger scale than what's been exposed oh for sure yeah yeah we'll see what happens this is really just making an example of a couple of people and then <laughs> we'll see what happens it's it's super interesting yeah, yeah. it's interesting sc and did you grow up in la where or, or yeah so i grew up in la um yeah, so I ended up at SC, um, just kind of got into that story. So co-founder and I, we started, our first business was actually a loyalty platform for the cannabis space. There we go. Um, so we basically, it was funny, we didn't actually smoke weed, um, <laughs> but we saw a massive opportunity. Obviously, that market was kind of exploding, and we thought that the dispensaries could um, just use better kind of CRM to help engage their customer base. So we built a loyalty platform. You basically sign in your phone. We use text messages to re-engage you and get you back in the store. And that was kind of that platform. Um, yeah, it was it was a huge wake-up call, like two kind of Jews from the valley <laughs> walking into dispensaries <laughs> with guns on the table and like wads of cash around us. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting kind of a uh, couple of years there. Yeah. To say the least, yeah. Yeah, I've had some experience in that space as yeah. well. Yeah. What year was that? 2010 okay so that was probably even more extreme oh yeah that was like when 
drug dealers were probably just opening stores and calling oh, it a dispensary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, it's still that. Yeah, no, it really is. It's, <laughs> it's now yeah. starting to become more regulated, but um yeah. It's surprising. But it's, the problem is, yeah. yeah, it's more regulated and you know, maybe they have their shit buttoned up a little bit better. Right. And there's maybe a couple less pit bulls in the building. Yeah. But um like literal pit bulls in the building. Yeah, yeah. but um a couple less gats. <laughs> um but uh you know, it's still like once you've been sort of in that black market ecosystem for so long, you know, they're they're the growers, they're the middlemen, the distributors, brokers, mm. dealers, distributors, like but of course, like that's gonna be sort of the the roots of of, of that business. Yeah. All, albeit legitimate now. Yeah. Which I'm a major marijuana proponent, don't get me wrong, but there's a dark underbelly there. Yeah, no, we're seeing a lot of a lot of these kind of at least on the CBDN, they're they're starting to develop presence online. Mm. Um, so Shopify and some of these other larger platforms are allowing uh, CBD to yeah. yeah sell through those channels, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, yeah, the CBD thing is is interesting. What's the what's the craziest dispensary story he ever experienced selling that loyalty program? Yeah, so we. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of crazy stories that I probably can't say on air. <laughs> you can <laughs> say whatever one, you want. One, uh, one crazy one. We walked into this one store and uh, we were installing this guy and we walked to the back and I've had a couple conversations. I was, so basically, this was a fully outbound sales motion. So we, would, we were going door to door, just hammering down, you know? Get some. Like 30 stores a day, super transactional sale. Do you want this or not type of deal, right? Like give us cash if you do. Um, that's just how it goes. That's who we were selling to. And it's, we actually learned a lot about selling. If you can sell in those environments, you can pretty much sell anything. Um, so yeah, we walked into the store, we're installing this guy and, uh, we're like, Hey, Tommy, we go to the back. This guy is sitting down literally, I think like every single bone in his body was broken. And we're like, Tommy, what's, what's wrong? He's like, uh, I, f- I fell off a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like wow the mafia like probably just ruined this guy and at that moment i was like we need to get out of this industry <laughs> and that's actually what happened um <laughs> so we what ended up happening is we yeah we we were doing well actually we we're growing we just didn't see this becoming a, a huge business like you can't really build a big software business within that space um and we just did not like kind of the individuals we were selling to. So the the kind of most engaging part of the platform at that point was was the messaging component. So we were seeing a lot of the kind of store, the like they call them bud tenders, just like build relationships with their customers over text. And that was a major reason why you'd come back and purchase. So what we ended up doing is stripping down the platform and leveraging that and just going after a bigger market. And that's, uh, that's transitioned into a motive. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That guy for sure got beat up. Oh, 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I fell off a ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah. What were you climbing, bro? No, it it was pretty nuts. (laughs) Climbing the walls to escape a mafia hit. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was, it was weird. We'd go, we'd actually go to class from like nine to 12, get out of class and just drive around Los Angeles, just going door to door selling this thing. It was, it was nuts. It, it actually, it worked like that you had to do it for that type of sale. Yeah. Because nothing existed on the internet yet. Yeah, and even still, but, that space is very door to door. It's very brick and mortar old school. Like, you know, yeah. even if you're trying to sell a whatever yeah. into a dispensary, you're going to have to go into the door itself. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, you know, We'll see what happens with that space. I think um, it will definitely just morph into general retail. 
Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I just don't know if that's going to exist as kind of its separate industry in the long run, but yeah, we'll see the bigger players come in and buy out a lot of the winners from this kind of early stage. Yeah. You'll have yeah. those med men go in there yeah. and do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably better though, huh? Yeah. No, that's, that's what should happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you look at, uh, if you look at the alcohol space, which I guess is the, the closest and only yeah, no, corollary, it really is. you sort of have like, you know, Fahim's liquor store. Who's also mm-hmm. selling like you know illegal like rhino dick pills from China <laughs> or whatever, yeah. and then also like Jack Daniels, yeah. um, and then you also have Bebo. No, I know it's it's uh, that that's also an interesting space, but um, I, I'm not sure if, if it's going to look the same. Yeah. I really don't know. I don't either. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. I do wonder. Yeah, you know what? Uh, what also was weird is you remember all that uh, spice. The fake, yeah, the synthetic that was, THC. Yes, I do. Man, that's it's it's all but gone away now that these states are finally legalizing THC. Dude, that was dangerous. Yeah, for a while, so dangerous. That was very dangerous. Selling it as catnip. <laughs> Come on over to the store, get some oh catnip. <laughs> Smoking catnip. I think that that was a little bit before my time, but. No, I mean that. I've definitely heard stories. Yeah, I mean yeah. it depends on like what state you're in. Well, and how much drugs you're consuming, I guess. But yeah. um, yeah, this is probably even in 2013, it was pretty prevalent. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. This is crazy. There's still um, you know, I don't know how anybody's getting away with it, but there's still a bunch of like crazy, like not technically illegal, but certainly like. In, in like theory illegal drugs at liquor marts literally everywhere in LA. really yeah I, yeah i haven't noticed bro next time you walk <laughs> into even a shell station look at the back no row way. and look for the rhinoceroses are you is this real i swear every single one on santa monica boulevard do you want to clarify what what a rhino is yeah it's a it's a dick pill oh it is oh yeah okay yeah but what it so so it has this rhino on the front and then if you look at the ingredients on the back it'll say like crushed up ants <laughs> literally it'll say it'll say like pixie dust you oh know <laughs> and um but it's generic cialis or viagra and sometimes they put steroids in there <laughs> none of it's dosed oh my god <laughs> yeah dude in there i mean they're almost everywhere i learned about um the rhino dick pills i think on one of joe rogan's podcasts from experience right oh yeah no totally (laughs) um yeah it's so scary can you imagine just taking one of the and uh so so i started paying attention and they are in almost every single convenience store they're probably crushing it too oh they're that distributed (laughs) dude yeah that's good shelf space right there great shelf space or i mean eye level right next to the tobacco (laughs) yeah you know no i mean that that is the consumer who's buying those those things anyway yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's true that's funny right next to like the little uh two shot you know tequila shots yeah yeah right there crazy (laughs) talk about merchandising oh my god (laughs) yeah the good news is um you know you don't have to make a lot of things illegal you just you know, let them let them do their thing. Mm. You know the market will play it out. I think for the most part. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this whole vaping thing as well. Oh, I think yeah. that's next yeah, to go. Vaping. You know what's weird about vaping though? I think so. It's eighteen deaths this year. I think is the last thing yeah. I saw from whatever news network that was. Um. So so okay, eighteen deaths a year. Terrible. Don't know what they were vaping. Who knows? Super unregulated, by the way. Like yeah. they are just kind of selling the rhino dick pill equivalents of vape, <laughs> like everywhere. Super yeah. like some dude just making it in his kitchen and like selling it at a smoke shop. Mm. So sketchy. Um, but then if you look at the deaths per year, 
on cigarette usage, 400,000 people a year. Yeah. And then another 87,000 from secondhand smoke. Yeah, I think the fact that it's kids getting affected just makes this problem so much more amplified in the media. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's also just so un, untested, you know, like no one knows the long-term implications of this stuff. Right. No, but I mean, in, if you compare it side by side, it's, it's in, it's not even close. Yeah. Obviously, but yeah, it's interesting. It's, no, we'll see what happens. You there. think they'll do a full on ban? No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think Jewel, problem. Jewel sold at the right time though. That's what I do oh, know. Yeah. They, they knew, they knew <laughs> this was coming. Breaking in the cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? A couple billion? Oh yeah. I think their latest valuation is like $14 billion. Yeah, several billion. Yeah. I think Altria, they sold like, yeah. It's like a majority stake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Crushing it. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah. And in theory too, like, yeah, I think that vaping, a jewel, that is not like one of these sketchy, you know, fucking Pedro's vape liquid that he's making in his bathtub or whatever, but you know, something like a jewel is definitely going to be better for you than a straight up cigarette yeah. with the tar and the carcinogens on a one-to-one basis. Yeah, I've been really interested in how they're marketing their product because they've really tried to shift the theme to more of a replacement rather than obviously mm. going after children. Right. <laughs> and th- no, I mean, that's that's how they can defend themselves and, and stay relevant. Yeah. Because um, if you look at it that way, it is a different perspective. It's probably better for society in the long run. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the we'll problem is, I don't know. What I see, at least, is that instead of, in theory, it sounds good, right? So you have this this inhalable form of nicotine, mm. and you're going to replace a more carcinogenic form of inhalable nicotine, which is the cigarette. Yeah. And so you would think if you just replace one-to-one, bop-bop, that would be a net positive. But what's actually happening is people who would not smoke cigarettes at all are vaping. Yes. yeah. No, that that is it's it's a getting a whole new generation addicted on on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually increasing the total amount of inhaling probably. nicotine for yeah. that age group, at least. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean even our age group, dude. There's so many people. Vaping. Yeah, no, there are. Yeah, That's, I mean, you know, in college, how many people were vaping? Everyone. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is that is fascinating. I wonder what will happen. And you know, I think back, and you know, my dad he had this boss when I was a little kid who smoked uh, camel cigarettes. Hmm. And so this this boss would collect all these camel points. Yeah, like you know, you get a, a point for buying a pack or whatever, and then you would redeem it for camel gear. Wow! And there was Joe Camel. Don't you guys have the Barnett? You have something similar to Barnett. Oh, don't yeah, we you? got Gorilla Gear. Is that based off of. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not. Maybe subliminally in some way. But, uh, <laughs> never really tied those two things together. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But yeah, my, my parents didn't smoke, but right. his boss did. And, and he would give them all these, these points. My dad's like, yeah, I'm collecting these points because I can get like hats and backpacks and stuff. Yeah. And then I would see this, this cartoon character of Joe Camel. And I remember being a little kid, probably, I don't know, four, five, six years old, and being like, oh, man, that's so cool cool mm. it's the camel guy yeah he's playing pool <laughs> so cool you know um and it's kind of what jewel was doing not like you know so obviously but sort of doing it like that yeah no it's it's interesting we'll, we'll see what happens with them yeah. I, I have no idea here's some fruity pebbles babe yeah exactly don't give it to your kids yeah <laughs> speaking of fruity pebbles there's one dc brand this have you heard of, what's that cereal brand 
you're thinking a magic spoon, yes. aren't you? Yeah. yeah they're yeah. crushing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're the second time founders. Um, they had founded a mushroom company before that. Got it. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a grow your own mushroom, hmm. like the edible type, not the, well, I guess all, <laughs> even the edible ones can make you, uh, trip out on a psychedelic adventure but these are the non-psychedelic mushrooms yeah they would sell them in stores and you could go and and grow your own fresh mushrooms and uh and and do that yeah and this is sort of their their new thing is, yeah. is the magic spoon yeah i mean there's not really a ton of competition in that space yeah you have some like entrenched ones you know like your nature path and yeah. thing but yeah yeah there, it's been it's been a little bit stale hmm. yeah yeah i think there's a lot of i mean that's a a part of the industry where it's just pure legacy brands, right? Yeah. The Captain Crunches, uh, <laughs> people that are just waiting to get disrupted. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I think those are, that's a really good space. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I'm still waiting for the all monk fruit, you know, fruity pebbles. Got it. You know? <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite cereal? Did you have cereal? Did you eat cereal? Yeah. Again? I was a big, uh, honey nut Cheerio guy. Ooh, honey nut Cheerio. Those were, those were good. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. No. You know, what I did Can't the complain. other day I was sick and Cheerio. by the other day, I mean several months ago, okay. but, um, <laughs> I was feeling sick. And so I went to the store and I'm like, you know what? I am going to get some goddamn cocoa pebbles. All right. Fuck it. Boom. Live once. <laughs> a little bit of diabetes right now. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big breakfast guy? Uh, no. I intermittently fast oh, most days. Most days. Okay. Yeah. What other diets are, are you experimenting with right now? Um, typically, I'm doing some type of intermittent fasting protocol with a very short eating window. Okay. Um, and maybe two meals, depending on the amount of training that I'm do, doing, which right now isn't a ton because I'm just doing a bunch of other shit. But um, yeah, generally sort of a cyclical ketogenic intermittent fasting diet is, mm. is sort of my baseline. How does that affected your energy? Uh, well, I'm pretty used to it. You know, I, I was in really strict ketosis for a you couple were. of years. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that supposed to be like a, a one month max type? No, of no, 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 really definitely not. No. Okay. And uh, once you're only a month into ketosis, you've really just started. Your body's just getting used to it, actually. Okay. Yeah. So if you're on a keto diet for two weeks, like you haven't even achieved the results that you would be looking for in, in um, ketosis. But I just try and cut down on, on carbs uh, unless it's in or around a workout, like a mm. post-workout or a pre-workout. Got it. Yeah. Okay. You doing any kind of weird diet show? No, we have a lot of uh, a lot of our kind of team is is experimenting here. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. I think ketosis or the keto diet, intermittent intermittent fasting is uh, those are probably the two most popular I've seen. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard of the carnivore diet? Is that uh, meat and nuts? It's primarily? meat only. Oh, meat only. Yeah, okay. it's like the opposite of the vegan diet. Got it. There it is, dude. I, you know, I'm sure it, it appears to be working for some people. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's probably the best thing for most people, but it looks like some people are doing it. <laughs> um, that, you know, same goes for veganism for that matter. But right. um, there's this guy named Dr. Sean Baker. Mm. And if you look at Sean Baker's Instagram and if you're vegan, uh, trigger alert, don't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Don't go to his page. But he is like the super anti-vegan carnivore meat guy, meat doctor guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and every one of his posts is just like this video like breakfast time and then it's just <laughs> three ribeyes. <laughs> like dude, this guy is insane. Wow. That that is not good on the stomach. I, I mean apparently he's I mean he's like fifty four, yeah. Shred City. Right. Doing his thing. Yeah. It's, it's just all protein. Yeah, and fat. Pure protein, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a ketogenic diet because you're getting, you know, a lot of fat from the ribeye and things. Hmm. Um, but probably not enough fat to really be in, in 
in ketosis because if you consume too much protein actually it'll it'll convert into to glucose oh really yeah yeah it'll kick you out of ketosis if you have too much protein i didn't know that okay yeah not that i geek out on diets <laughs> <at all>. yeah. <laughs> you are in the food space so it does make this sense is your job yeah, yeah that does make sense <laughs> um, no that's awesome but i want to try it yeah you should go Just for it eat ribeyes for like three weeks yeah call me after two weeks and let me know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah after i'm just like fucking crawling on the ground turn into a zombie yeah, yeah there we go yeah i don't know if that if that's the best idea but i'm willing to try it out yeah. i don't know i've considered the keto diet yeah. i just don't know i don't know if i could make it to be yeah. honest i yeah so i i actually grew up with crohn's um so that's partly why i've kind of stayed away from a lot of these these uh different types of diets yeah that was super pivotal by the way and just helping me emerge and that's probably why I've I've kind of taken a lot of these leaps. It's been really positive for a lot of things in my life, but um, yeah, no, I've definitely had to stay away from the diets, unfortunately. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like one of those things where like a difficulty happens in your life yeah. and then a bunch of positive things happen as a result because it just shifts you yeah, one no, degree I, in that I think, direction. Absolutely. Um, you know, like a logical person wouldn't like start a company out of college unless you, you yeah. really... <laughs> You really have nothing to lose and you, you definitely need to just, yeah. I mean, if you're used to going through, through just difficult things, you're going to, you're going to be much more likely to jump in in the future. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. And so with, with your text message platform now, and you started this when you guys were still in college, like what is, what's the next step? Is it sort of user adoption and getting the word out there? Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's an awesome platform already. Of course you'll be iterating on that, but like what's, what's, What's the future look like? Yeah, so the last year, so we we launched this this one about twelve months ago. Um, we've built a really good distribution strategy, so we've been scaling really well. Um, I think the next step is really uh, it's just further scale. Um, so we just raised some money, which is awesome. Allow us to kind of triple, quadruple the team over the next year. Um, so it's going to be mainly customer acquisition and then just refining the product there. Um, yeah, that's that's really the the two main goals moving forward. Nice, yeah. and and by um, sort of scaling the customer base, I guess that does not include talking to Kenny at the weed shop. No, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't include inside any mob sales. Hits. Inside sales, <laughs> definitely a different ball game. Much much better business. Is there a yeah? What what is there like a, a learning lesson from talking to old Jimmy, um, leg broke Jimmy? Yeah, I think the lesson there is. Uh, it's really important to choose a a big industry that you can actually go after. Like it's uh, it's important to go after educated buyers, right? Um, it's hard to sell technology to people who don't see value in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in the kind of CPG direct consumer space are generally early adopters of tech and just things in general. Like it's a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs. So um, it definitely makes our life a lot easier because um, they're just more open to new ideas, like direct consumer. Uh, just e-commerce in general is fairly new, right? So um, that that's been great. Um, market timing is super important whenever you start a company, especially in software. Um, you know, like uh, yeah, it, there's a ton of learnings there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the the market size and who you're selling to is an important one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be just you know. It's a very it's a highly unscalable thing just yeah. walking into every single dispensary. Yeah. No, I think it's super different with direct consumer and and just consumer in general like you're ultimately going after millions of individuals um 
with B2B SaaS, you, you need, in order to build a big business, you need to tell a good story on how you can get to $100 million in revenue. Right. Um, if you can't tell that story, it's going to be really difficult to attract employees, raise capital, and build a big business, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's something we've really learned the past kind of six to eight months here. B2B SaaS. Yeah, B2B, B2B SaaS. B2B SaaS. I actually follow a lot of uh, VCs that are involved in the B2B SaaS world yeah. for whatever reason on Twitter. Uh, so I'm just always reading their stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The $100 million ARR <laughs> and the back end, all the, you know. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting because SaaS is um, it's super repeatable business model. So a lot of kind of the trade secrets are pretty transferable, which is why you have a lot of these thought leaders like Jason Lemkin. I don't. You probably yep. and most people don't know these guys. Uh, at least I listening to a couple one. of them. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned from kind of the vets there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. B two B SaaS is an incredibly interesting space, and it's also, you know, kind of the unsexy space. Yeah, that's what we hear. Um, <laughs> I mean, just because, like, yeah. you know, if you're Snapchat, right? Like it's on your phone. It's, it's on everyone's phone. It's so funny because we literally had an investor, like our lead investor, who's going to be doing this round, literally told us like, you know what? You're not in a sexy space, but I think you can make a shit ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we, it's funny because we, I don't think it's unsexy. Obviously, I wouldn't be running this business. But Me neither. If you... Um, uh, compared to most like consumer businesses, like the average consumer does not think this is interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's inter- It's funny. It's just funny to hear. It's just yeah. highly technical. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. No, it's it's just it's different. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I don't know. Like what's what's uh you know with with alcohol or like a CBG brand. You know, you just walked into a store and literally anybody can just walk into a store and buy a Butterfinger. Yeah, you know. And then, but not everybody can just be like, oh, I'm going to build a business to use a B two B SaaS platform. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Not many people think about business to business software while they're yeah. while they're going to sleep at night. But you know what's kind of <laughs> nice? Well, except for maybe me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's interesting too. Like. Um, with, with, with B2B SaaS, it's, you're, you're dealing with a fundamentally different type of, of customer too. Like if you're, if you're making, um, you know, Madre's Mescal or whatever, you kind of have to talk to everybody, you know, your construction worker and your PhD scientist and everybody in between. Totally, totally. So yeah, it's super important, at least for my space to focus on who's your, who's the right buyer, um, and really go after those early adopters and build a perfect product for kind of a smaller niche at the beginning and then kind of widen and like ride your adoption curve from there. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super, it's, it's just very different than building consumer business, right? You don't yeah. need to appeal to, to, I mean, we were talking earlier, um, the, the consumer in Whole Foods versus a guy in Nebraska who has never been to a Whole Foods. Really? Right. Yeah. It's just, a, a, it's a different type of focus. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's different. Yeah. Well, if people want to check out Emotive, where do they go? Emotive.io. Emotive.io. Yeah. And for you out there that doesn't know what .io is all about, it's what all the cool tech companies do to stay hip. Yeah, it's when .com is very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when all those one-word TLDs are taken yes, up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Anywhere else um, you'd like to point them to? No, I, that, that's that's our website. Emotive.io. Yeah. If yeah. you want to connect with your customers and also have some robots do it, yes, that's sir. where you go. Boom. Thanks, dude. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Welcome to the next-
Thank you, thank you all so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Brian and the robots taking over the earth. If you haven't pressed subscribe, please do it now. I would really appreciate it if you did. That's what keeps the lights on around here. Speaking of keeping the lights on, if you want to click on any of the links in the description of this show, you can get yourself some free cryptocurrencies. You can buy uh, some hats and things that I like to design on my free time and all sorts of things like that. So check those out in the show notes. And until next time, I will chat at y'all in. Peace.